Hello and welcome to Do Not Steal, a podcast about tabletop criticism and, more importantly, ROCs. Uh, I'm your host, Olivia Joseph, and I bit my mouth like 30 minutes before we started this podcast. Oh, no! Oh. It aches. <laughs> you heard the... Yeah. You heard the, uh, you heard the sympathy noises of my lovely co-host, uh, who can introduce herself. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I'm Hannah. I'm mostly here on a podcast to provide sympathy noises. I barely know what an RPG is. <laughs> well, to, uh, to make up for your deficit of knowledge, we've brought in a true RPG expert, uh, to guest on this podcast. Um. First guest. Our first guest. Uh, who I didn't introduce Hannah, so I guess I won't introduce our guest. Guest, please fire it's away. It's me, Molly. Hi. Uh, hi. Hi, Molly. Hi, Molly. I say that as if everybody already knows me. They probably do. If they're listening to this podcast, they might know me. You should. It's it's on the Abnormal Mapping Network. I I only do two podcasts on this network. I, I only do more... two podcasts on this network. Listen to yourself. Uh, I think that's how many podcasts I do on this network. <laughs> I do one yeah, podcast on this network, which you know, ooh, Hannah, you're get so those numbers up. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hannah's just in it. Hannah's just in it for the tabletop. She makes an OC every month. She wipes her hands and she goes, "All right, done with that." Damn, uh-huh. I wish that was me. <laughs> no more, <laughs> no more podcasting for me. Uh, yeah, I. We're going to get to that point at the end of the episode where we're doing plugs and whatnot, and it's just like five minute sections for each of you, and I'm like, oh, this is my podcast, follow me on Twitter, Uh, my last name is YOLO, but spelled funny. (laughs) (laughs) I thought your last name was YOLO, like sincerely thought it was YOLO for like seven months after I met you. Still getting people with that. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, I forget sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, my last yeah, name. Yeah, I have a whole different name and everything. Yeah. Listen, my last name is a first name. It's cool. It's fine. That's chill. Someone has a weird name. I just don't worry about it. Yeah, it's French. Oh no, my fidget spinner noise is definitely picking up on the microphone. I just oh, realized. No. It's okay. It is, but it's very soothing to me. So, like, you it's know, if, if someone has a problem with it, then mm, someone has a problem with it, with. go find some non-autistic hosts. <laughs> yeah, come on. Bitches. I'm gonna fidget spinner right up in the mic. Ready? Let's go. Yeah. I did it just now. I could not hear it. <laughs> okay. Did not pick up. It's picking up on the waveform, which means it'll probably just get noise reduced. Okay. Uh, that's movie magic, baby. <laughs> that's that's editing. You're really seeing how the sausage is made here. Yeah. Look. If we got Molly on. We're doing Molly's tabletop game. I figured it was appropriate that the banter too also be behind the scenes. Yeah, no, that sounds Molly great. Molly made a tabletop game. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, just my personal the, opinion. Person who made the I'm thing voice. Like... Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> It would be great if he just threw us for a loop and came on and said, like, this game is this sucks and it's shit. really offensive and we shouldn't play it. We shouldn't play it. Uh, yeah, I wrote Lancer and... <laughs> <laughs> Pete Buttigieg! <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry, Lancer guy. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, shout out to Lancer uh, for being the world's first and only communist RPG uh, where you do communism by doing grid-based mech combat. Well, honestly, okay. 
if I had to choose the form of my communism, separate from uh-huh. my issues with Lancer, grid-based mech combat is, like, pretty high up there, formally. <laughs> it would work. It'd be pretty yeah. cool. No, it's, it's, it's one of those classic things where it's like, no, this isn't communist, it's just that, like, a lot of your communist friends like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like trains. Yeah. Like trains. Coming All right, right back around do you want to... Do you want to... <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be a responsible host, and you're just not getting us away from Pete Buttigieg. Okay, so... <laughs> today uh back on track this uh today we are doing uh eidolon become your best self which is a power by the apocalypse game designed by molly rhinebeck uh luke varner and peter Buttigieg. <laughs> oh be nice, <laughs> yeah, be nice. <laughs> uh man i'm so glad hannah had those get. last names on hand that is why i have a co-host <laughs> I... I didn't fuck up luke's did i luke varner no i don't think so Yes. Okay, I'm so good at podcasts. Yeah, Eidolon, uh, Eidolon Become Your Best Self is a tabletop game that, as we've said a few times, is powered by the apocalypse, which means it, it uh, it's based on the apocalypse world system, but I'm not actually a tabletop nerd. Somebody please help me. Oh, I don't know that uh, guy. We, we haven't said, like, n- names of designers before. Um, and I just did it right now so I could get in that Pete Buttigieg joke. We don't we don't need to worry about this. <laughs> All right. By the uh, by the guy who made Apocalypse World, I'm going to like Microsoft Sam pipe in the voice later <laughs> for the name. Great. It's 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 Steve Vincent Baker. It is. Fuck. I had it. <laughs> I was oh. like, I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Isn't that the Firebrands guy? Could also be the fire. Uh, I, I have no idea. Turns out RPG designers love to design lots of RPGs. Fuck off. I can't stand these bitches. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting thing to do. You can only sell the game one time, and then <laughs> you have to make a new one to sell again. If you if you design an RPG, you the, the coast. Up. That's God. true. This is the coast. Well, they'll just charge you fifty dollars for every expansion pack. It's fine. Okay, yeah. so what, what, what I they're like, we wrote down like... fifty pages. Here you go. Eidolon yeah. become your best self. It, Eidolon become your best self. What's that? It is an RPG for two to five players, uh, which is based on the Apocalypse World system and also on uh, the Persona and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure series. It is a tabletop game about being a normal person who awakens to a magical spirit power that reflects their inner soul. Which... IMO is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. We like that. Concept. And uh, very often represented as like a cool, weird guy that stands behind you. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You got to have a cool, weird guy. I here's the yeah. here's the thing, Molly. Can I can I can I make a confession? Yeah, go ahead. When I was in college, an undergraduate in college, uh-huh. I I tried to make a persona a persona slash jojo's bizarre adventure tabletop rpg i found the design doc a few weeks ago it was dog shit yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like real bad i had real i had real like i i had real fucking rules brain so yeah Ooh. it's hard it's hard uh that was the problem that we ran into a lot was like we yeah. need to not have rules but there also have to be rules mm-hmm I- yeah, like f- fundamentally, like 
there is a tension that is present with like so much of RPG design where it's like, if you go too far into the realm of simulationism, then like you're going to end up with absolute dog shit. And if you kind of go too light, then you are going to make something that is going to be really good for like you and your four friends who already know like each other's play styles and how to like build a good story together, but is like not that useful for like strangers to pick up and have right. games with. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, and like at the same time, you want more rules for newer players who might not necessarily be as good as the at the improv at the improvisational aspect of tabletop role playing, so as to guide them in you know deciding what happens. But then you also don't want too many rules for the new players to just get kind of like uh, bounced off by it. Um, it's you don't hard. want them lost in there. No, that's right. Um, before we get too far away from the subject, uh, I just want to note that I also have history with playing, uh, dog shit Persona RPGs. Uh, specifically, I was in a Persona LARP when I was an undergrad. Oh, yeah. And, um, you better believe that it had this combat system where, like, every Persona you could accrue had, like, a list of ten elemental resistances and weaknesses, and you could swap them out every round, and... It was just, like, swapping between personas, like, five times in a row, and I'm finally getting sick of that. I mean, like, fuck it. I'm just gonna go with my kind of strongest guy and spam my strongest attack, and if the elements don't work out, then I'm fucked. Um, it was not a good game. That's kind of the problem if you stick really close to Persona, is that it doesn't work if it's two people playing <laughs> with each other. <laughs> no. Uh, just because there's too many... Uh, there's I think Persona 5 has like 11 different elements a Persona can be, and it's like, why? Mm-hmm. Ooh. There, there that are sounds some, like too many. There are some things Wait, that are what? just g- video game only. Like One of the elements is gun! One of the elements <laughs> is gun. <laughs> God... Wait, wait, how do you get up to, like, 11? Because it's, like, obviously, there's, like, the six basic ones that number are, like, one, in blue. Number you one, can... fire. Number two, ice. Yeah. Number three, electric. Number four, wind. Number five, light. Number six, dark. Number six, Manhattan. Number seven, Brooklyn. <laughs> number eight, Queens. Okay. <laughs> Out of all together, that's New York, baby. <laughs> okay, all right, whatever. They also have, like, side damage and nuke. Okay. Okay. Nuke? What is the what is this rock? Nuke paper, is scissors? one of the elements. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, disgusting. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Okay. Um Gamers love Welcome it. to Do Not Steal, a podcast where we get pissed off about how many elements there are in Persona uh, for two hours. So here's what here's what I wanted to say, right? Like yeah. this is a this is a kind of like common thing in RPG design where a game a game's genesis is in looking at something else and being kind of like now what is that experience like in a tabletop game you know like i was going through i was going through itch the other day to, to like try to gather tabletop games and there are so there's so many of these games cuz i think and this is not a criticism i think it is both like an interesting intellectual experience to be like, how do we translate the kind of feel of this show or movie or genre into a tabletop game? And also, you know, personally, I like, I like, I, I like having, I like the concept of having a cool soul power that is like represented by a weird guy and is like related to a character's, uh, you know, inner self. 
Um, I yeah. don't particularly like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I hate Persona. So, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I think that's a very good like way of looking at it because like when I say things like um like I'm not the biggest fan of Power by the Apocalypse as a system. Uh, or as like just you know a mechanical rubric but like one thing that it has going for it is that like it is super versatile in other in ways that like other mechanical frameworks aren't and i can say something like oh i think like forged into dark is better than uh power body apocalypse because like you know it's it's something that was made taking a lot of lessons from power by the apocalypse and refining them and uh you know bringing them to this very specific form but the problem with that is that, like, you look at something like uh, Eidolon Playtest uh, Rock, uh, which, by the way, go ahead and listen to that on the Audio Entropy Network. Uh, it's one of the two playtest seasons of this game that is currently ongoing and uh, should be finishing up its third, or sorry, its first season, like, pretty much when this episode comes out. Yeah, when uh, you hear this, with that, it'll quick... probably be about over. Pretty cool. With that quick plug out of the way, um, it's absolutely like a situation where I don't think something like Eidolon Rock could really work in a Forged by the Dark system. Because like those are really about discrete mission structures that involve planning and preparation, that involve like having multiple points of access and, and multiple like approaches possible. Um, and if your game is about like a road trip of some idiots trying to like get to New Jersey so they can sell a bunch of blood, then that's not really something that can be folded into a fortune of dark framework unless you like really do a lot of modification to it, at which point like you're giving up a lot of stuff that I like about the system. Um, so yeah, like, you know, back in like the two thousands, it was just like, okay, well, if you want to make a new, uh, like, a new mechanical version of, like, something that you like, whether it's, like, superheroes or anime or Star Wars or whatever. It's like, well, there's a D20 system, which is dog shit, um, and there's GURPS, which is dog shit, and those are both trying to convince you that they can do everything. Um, but, like, Apocalypse World, for the faults that I find with it, does kind of let you take pretty much anything, because it is rules light, it is based on just, like, you have a couple stats, you have a, some moves that everyone can do that just key off your stats and are as simple as just, you know, roll 2d6, add your stat. And you have a playbook that determines some special moves that you can do and special, like, you know, passive abilities that you have. Um, and there's so much that you can do with that that doesn't feel like you're shoehorning things into, like, wait... If I'm, like, trying to play, like, you know, a Miyazaki game, then, like, why am I rolling a 20-sided die to determine whether I hit a monster? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, Power by the Apocalypse served us pretty well so far, I think. Um, yeah. Luke, Luke and I have talked, well, Luke mostly has talked about being like, okay, what if we just made a system? I'm like, Luke, you're fucking out of your mind. That is <laughs> so much work. Yeah. Yeah. like fundamentally th that is just such an appeal to it right that it's like i mean not to minimize the amount of work that's like gone into this right because it is a it's like an 83 page pdf right now yeah um which is pretty substantial and it's pretty big. 
only some of that is like directly ported over from you know existing uh power by the apocalypse rule sets um the amount of work that goes into making like diverse and unique playbooks cannot be understated mm-hmm. um but fundamentally it is a lot easier than trying to come up with like a new system that is going to um like actually be meaningfully fun to play because like the number one i think pitfall that happens when people who are big fans of rpgs are like okay well i should just make my own system or whatnot um is that they tunnel really hard in on the theoretical versions of stuff that they enjoy in playing and it turns out that like a they don't know how to translate those and b those aren't necessarily what everyone else is as interested in and you just end up with something that's like made for an audience of one half of a person can i um can i quickly give an example of something that we tried to make for my dog shit uh persona jojo's <laughs> rpg yes hell yeah let me tell you about the the beat system um okay which was that each each combat was uh structured around a recurring uh sequence of 12 beats and each (laughs) each each um each uh fake persona and each person had some stat that you could do something to and it would tell you on what beats they got to act and there were rules about how to decide who goes first in situations where multiple characters are on the same beat. You had to think about, okay, now what if it's two, what if it's two personas on the same beat? What if it's a persona and a human? What if it's two humans? And I was looking over this like last week and I was like, this was so fucking stupid. (laughs) God. And then it's hard. Comparatively, you look at like, Eidolon's combat structure, which I think is actually quite elegant um, for for what it is doing, mm-hmm. like uh, the sort of crash system where an enemy has um, where an enemy has sort of like a a series of sort of escalating uh, dangers that they put the party through, and that the party members like progress through the arc of the encounter by overcoming in a significant way, and like. That is a thing which comes off of like, which clearly comes off of like being able to play in this kind of like existing framework and think about like, okay, what do we, what do we want to do in a combat system? And then coming up with a good answer for that. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I will say system. that like, I think the crash system is very cool. Um, I am hesitant about Eidolon combat. Because in general, I am realizing that, like, this is definitely just a me thing, but uh, I'm kind of increasingly skeptical of combat systems that aren't either a robust, like, tactical miniatures game, like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons 4th Edition, Lancer, things of that nature, um, or just, like, abstracted to the point where a combat action is fundamentally similar to. Um, any non-combat action, right? Where it is just, like, take your uh, stat and add a, um, you know, like, roll die, add a stat, um, the same way that you would do for, like, you know, trying to pick a lock or sneak past someone or convince someone or something like that. Um, And I think the reason that I am skeptical of things like that is because 
when you have a system like Lancer, nobody is going to be the combat character in it. Nobody is going to be, like, the one that, you know, shines best in combat unless, like, you know, somebody's just optimized their character much better. Um, but when you have these more abstracted systems, there are absolutely characters that can have, like, a suite of interesting things that they can do in combat or, like, the ability to be effective in combat. Um, and then there are characters that don't. Uh, either, you know, their stats just mean that they're going to have a hard time making a difference, or they have, like, one thing that they can do uh, within it. And that's the sort of thing that I'm worried about. It's like, if you make combat something that takes meaningfully longer than another type of, like, single challenge, and you have the option to have non-combat characters then that kind of like gets you into this like weird sour spot between the two um that said as far as like efforts to kind of like deal with that fundamental tension i think eidolon does a very good job um for the reasons that olivia described um and i think that there would be something that you would meaningfully lose if you just kind of like abstracted combat even further and took away like the crash system or whatnot Mm -hmm. Yeah, the thing about it is we started with um, a very, like, numbers-heavy combat system, and by, like, the third session we played with it, we were like, we have to scrap this. It sucks. Like, this, these two characters can't do anything in combat because the numbers are weird. Uh, so eventually, Luke made a spreadsheet of, like, how does an anime fight generally go? Uh, and then <laughs> uh, we, we there was a flowchart involved, uh, and that's how we got to crashes. Uh, and that's why you could crash an enemy. You don't have to physically hurt them. They can get crashed anyway and, you know, move on to their next stage of combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, uh, what I like about that system is like that it, it's really, it is really focused on the narrative of the combat, like rather than like the, the dice rolls of the combat so much. Like they're, they're important, but it's not kind of like, you know, um, it's not the only driving factor. Yeah, and there, like Hannah said, there isn't like a, you there isn't like a unique system of combat that like a character has to really gear into as much. Although, certainly, if you're like not a you know a navigator has some difficulty um, contributing super much in combat, but it's yeah. it's yeah. not like it's you can't make yourself useless in combat the way you can in some tabletop games. Yeah. It's, it's also just, like, fundamentally the sort of thing where it's, like, there is only so much planning that an RPG designer can do against these eventualities, right? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, if you're trying to find, like, solutions for every corner case where a player would, you know, not be able to contribute or only be able to contribute by, like, spamming the same action or whatnot, then you're going to end up, again, down that lane where it's, like, okay congratulations i have a book that has 500 different character creation options and like you know uh we have this really cool 12 beat system um no the 12 beat system is always bad down that way (laughs) lies ruin uh yeah it's Um, out there i think that's a so here's just a thing about tabletop is like because it is two because the two sides well more like three sides because you have the designers writing the book and you have the the kind of like DM GM 
uh, person referee sort of like with more of an authoritative position about the world and then you have the players like there there's only so many you know you can't predict every single interaction that's going to happen yeah um here's what i will say about apocalypse uh power by the apocalypse games is that fundamentally they live and die by how good the playbooks are um and i've played or read a few systems that have dog shit playbooks um I haven't, like, considered every playbook in uh, Eidolon to the extent that I have, obviously, the one that, like, I made my character using. Uh, But what I can say about the one that I used, uh, which is, uh, for spoiler purposes, the Alchemist, um, it might be the coolest uh, Power by the Apocalypse playbook I've ever read. Um, Which, on the one hand, that is obviously a really good thing. on the other, it's a problem because there are so many fucking cool moves and I constantly feel like, mm, oh, I got to give this up. I got to, you know, not take this. Okay, so I got to like tweak my conception of my character if I'm not going to be able to do that, etc., etc. And also like, I think one thing that is a little weird to me about Power by the Apocalypse games is how typically um, in them, like, basic buffs to your stats like your your primary stats which in this system are power elegance genius glamour and bizarre mm-hmm. did i get those yep. right i think i got this yep. right now. um those come from the same advancement pool as uh getting extra moves and when i look at the alchemist i'm just like oh i could get up to like a level eight character um in this i could be like you know at the end of a campaign and have not taken a single, like, you know, stat increase because all these moves are just so cool and I want to, like, combine them together and figure out, like, cool things that I can do with all of them. Um, So I think that, like, there is a bit of weirdness that comes in when, like, you... Someone who doesn't find their playbook as engaging as I find The Alchemist is going to gravitate more towards those stat uh, increases because they're like, well, I have like three moves that I'm interested in and I took those, so now I'm done. Um, So like somebody who isn't engaged in that way like ends up with a character that succeeds on average more often than mine would. Yeah. Um, But again, the counterpoint to that is that um, these are thankfully systems where like failing a role doesn't mean uh nothing interesting happens right it doesn't mean you're stuck or you get punished in like a straightforward and boring way um it tends to mean that you know you fail forward in some interesting way you suffer a consequence that like complicates the plot in a cool way um so that's a lot less of a problem than it could be but as someone whose autism just makes her just terminally obsessed with numbers going up um, it does feel fundamentally weird to be like, hold on, I've leveled several ties, but my numbers, they're still so low. Excuse me, sir, my numbers? They're, they're the my same. Numbers? <laughs> this <laughs> Just holding out a little bowl with my numbers in it. <laughs> please. Please, sir, my numbers are so low. So please give me a three. So w- while <laughs> you were talking, um, yeah. I realized we completely forgot to explain like basic mechanics of a, of a powered by the apocalypse game which we've done previously in other episodes for people who might not be aware 
Um, and I think it would be worth doing now about uh, 30 minutes into the episode. <laughs> yeah. So, like, cool. the, the real real quick and dirty, right? Um, in Powered by the Apocalypse games, you are playing a character. A character has a playbook, which is kind of just like, which is kind of like, gives you the concept of your character. Um, in Eidolon, I, my Eidolon character, who I'm going to talk about in a bit, is using the virtuo- the Virtuoso playbook, which is about having an Eidolon that is also a physical object. And so there are moves that kind of dictate how my character plays, which are based on that concept. You know, I have a move that says my Eidolon is a real, like, physical object, and it has kind of, like, unique things that it can do because it is an object and not, like, a spirit creature. Um, mm-hmm. When you, like, the, the principle of this game is that you do, you say your character does a thing, and the person running the game says, okay, that sounds like this move, you know, um, that sound, you know, you are dodging, you are dodging, uh, I don't know, you're trying to jump out of the way of a car that is driving towards you. That sounds like you are beating the odds with your elegance. Um, so then, you know, once you two have selected a move, you go and you find the move, which kind of like describes the dice roll that you have to make in order to see if you accomplish the thing. Um, you roll 2d6, add the add the stat, and then your level of success is determined by how high you've rolled. So in these kinds of games, a roll of 10 or more is considered like a total success. You completely do the thing that you are trying to do, no problems, everything's great, bam. Uh, most of the time, you're going to get uh, between a 7 and a 9, which is a mixed success, which means that you kind of achieve what you are trying to do you have a either you partially succeeded or you mostly succeeded but you while you generally got what you want there is a consequence that you did not want you know and then the worst possible outcome is below a six uh six or below which is where the which is where you are basically at the mercy of the person running the game and they can, you know, as Hannah alluded to, they are encouraged not not to say, you know, oh, you screwed it up and it didn't work, but more like, yeah, you know, you I, you screwed it up and there's a consequences that kind of changes the situation and moves it forward in an interesting way, or you succeed and there's a really bad unintended consequence, or I think like mm-hmm. what a really cool basic move in this uh, is investigate. Um, which is just like, you know, for gathering information, it can cover things that would like be described in various systems as like, you know, uh, searching or spotting or doing an investigation. You know, it's very versatile. And uh, it says uh, role plus genius on a 10 plus ask three questions during the list below on a nine uh, on a seven to nine or sorry, on a nine minus here, it says ask one uh, and if you roll a six or lower, then they'll give you an answer that you won't like. Um, and that's just a very fun place to end up in, right? Because it's not like, okay, you know, you just spent some time investigating and you come up completely dry and it's like, well, okay, that was just a waste of time. It's you find something out, but it's going to be a threat and it's going to be a problem and it's going to be a complication. 
Yeah, I re- that was always a problem with D and D when I when you roll like perception or whatever, and it's like okay, you don't find anything. I'm like, well, I'm gonna roll it again now until I find something. It's like, so wait, bad. There's no, there's I don't get to fail here. I need to find something. Worst experience. Yeah. Worst experience in D and D is when a when a DM is like, okay, roll your perception, then you roll shitty, and the DM's like, oh, you didn't see anything. It's like motherfucker. I know there's something. It's like I know there's something now. Just turn, <laughs> yeah. to, just turn to your friend who you know is like a little has a higher perception score and be like, "Hey, hey, look around, look around, look around." <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Simultaneously, a really good experience is in a powered by the apocalypse game, rolling a six on investigate, and then looking at the list of questions and being like, "Okay, now what is the least worst bad thing that could happen <laughs> that I could get? Or who's in control what is the here?" Least worst? Mm, yeah. don't like that one uh what do i need to be wary of Ooh, i don't want to ask that one either <laughs> you know like that's a good experience yeah um it's it's you you choose the least worst option or the coolest worst option mm-hmm. <laughs> yes those are, your, those are your those are your choices <laughs> yeah um and again like the thing is fundamentally like even if you are rolling uh with your best stat which like there's a cap of having a plus two on these stats mm-hmm. So like, I, like you think it, the cap is three? Is it? It's, okay, it's two. Yeah. And is it two? Okay, it's, well, it's two it's, at it's least two in character nine. creation for sure. Okay. Um, but like, if you have two, then that's still like if you roll a four or lower, which is like what one sixth of the time, I think. Um, then you're like still that. going to get that like total failure. Um, so it's it's never the sort of situation where it's just like okay, well. I've optimized my character, and so now I have, like, a 90% success rate at this thing, and I don't have to worry about, like, interesting complications. Um, which, like, fundamentally, uh, that does kind of implicitly tell you what kind of tone you should be looking for. Um, if you are trying to play a game about, like, really competent badasses who, like, make correct choices and don't suffer consequences, then uh, this system is probably not for you. It's not gonna work out. <laughs> nope. You need to be willing to play some idiots who have bad things happen yeah. to them. <sighs> um, yeah. Is there anything, Molly, that like you would want to to kind of just like make known about what it was like to design this, um, or some of the the things that you were trying to accomplish besides what we've already discussed? Uh, I mean, the reason we designed it is because one, at the time, we could not find a version of this game that we wanted. Uh, we, Luke and I, uh, we were playing in a game called Silver Pines that is somewhere on YouTube and you can listen to it if you want, but it's, it's iffy. Um, but we, we found, uh, a game called Monsters and Other Childish Things, which is close to what we wanted, but it had a weird 10d10 system for a lot of the stuff. And you had to like match numbers and like the, the more you matched, the better you did. It was weird. Um, but, uh, eventually we were like, well, fuck nobody's made a good one of these yet so i guess we have to because this is the game we want to play uh so we started working on this and it took a year or so um to get like just the basic one out the door uh and then um yeah Yeah, technically this is still a draft right this is still a draft yeah we're not we're not done done yet um Mm -hmm. by the time season one of the podcast ends i think we will have done like a revision podcast for each of the playbooks um, which, which is on the Patreon, uh, you can listen to those, but it, um, it's hard designing playbooks, it turns out, so we have gone back and, like, we made the basic ones, and then we did the playtest, we're like, this one kind of sucks, this one kind of yeah. needs stuff, uh, so, 
hopefully they're all in a pretty good place now. Um, but the, the like core rule to Eidolon become your best self is just playing good faith. Because in theory, you can make an Eidolon that does anything. And that was like mm-hmm. the spirit we wanted to capture because in, in things like JoJo's, uh, those they can do fucking anything. Mm-hmm. It gets wild in there. I uh, so I had a, I had yeah I had a moment when I was creating my character for this session where I was like I was kind of thinking about the power and I'm like man is this too strong? And then I realized that one of the suggested default powers in the Virtuoso playbook is hack reality. Like, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, if you want to do that, you can do that. Your only restriction uh, like being you have to a use season. a specific laptop computer when you hack reality. God. Yes. <laughs> just carrying around your big laptop bag everywhere. Watching um, a season of JoJo's and just, like, complaining constantly about how these powers don't seem accurately balanced against each other. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just has a fishing rod. What's up with that? Uh, yeah. So, uh, we wanted to make sure that everybody can do anything they wanted, uh, at the same time. It's hard to do that in, like, a system with a lot of rules. Uh, so, that is kind of the main rule, is to just be like, don't be an asshole. (laughs) Like, you can make whatever you want, just be reasonable. Um, and 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 find people who will do that with you. Fundamentally, like, it is a sort of thing where, like, we've been discussing, um, it is very difficult for a game to be immune to a bad GM and or bad players. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the sort of thing where it's like, there are definitely degrees of it. Um, something like, you know, uh, most D&D editions are going to be like really easy to abuse or really possible to like accidentally lock yourself into a situation where like you can't have fun. Um, but like, yeah, fundamentally... It is possible to have, like, Eidolon experiences where somebody has, uh, you know, an Eidolon that's too powerful or somebody has an Eidolon that's too weak or, um, you know, things like that. But, like, fundamentally, again, you can't, you can't uh, backstop against all of that. Um, and I think that the system does a pretty good job of just, like, like you said, encouraging people to play in good faith and um, the opportunities for, like, actually abusing the system aren't all that big because like fundamentally even if like you do oh my god i'm saying fundamentally so many times today why but if you really min max your character and make it you know too powerful and whatnot then what you're going to be able to do it uh as far as i can tell is to get a plus two to your role on everything uh which is probably like you know a little too powerful but that's also not going to be something that really breaks the game wide open. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely seems like Eidolon is like, um, you know, kind of like a game whose like main design goals are to give you like a solid base of rules and then kind of turn it over to your group and be like, all right, the power is in your hands now. Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah. perfectly admirable, you know. Uh, and a lot of games we we found out, or I found out, I guess, um, the the beat the odds role kind of comes from Dungeon World, um, where I forget what it's called there. Um, but beat the odds is just give me a roll two d six plus whatever stat you're trying to use. And we kept it because like a lot of other games don't like that one. Um, we kept it because you can do anything in theory in this game, uh, and you need something, <laughs> anything. 
uh, to make sure that like you have an opportunity to actually do that move if it's going to yeah. require a roll. Like, the idea is empowered by the apocalypse. If it's not something that requires a roll, you should probably just be able to do it. Uh, rather than, like, you know, I throw this thing. Like, you could probably throw this thing into that door. That's not that hard. Uh, yeah. But uh, some, some, apparently some game designers don't like, like, the beat the odds kind of move. Uh, which I don't get. I don't know. It, it's, it's like, fundamentally, like, there you go again. If um, there are interesting consequences for succeeding versus failing then yes. it can be a roll. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's, like, you know, too niche or too, like, corner case. So it is good to have something that, like, lets you take on those corner cases. But, um, you know, like, again, if it really is just, oh, I want to, like, toss this thing into that door and it's it's not, like, a particularly hard thing and if I miss, then I'm just going to do it again, then, yeah, that doesn't require a roll. You may as well just do it. Yeah. I'm Very underhand cool. throwing the softball. <laughs> Just playing out an entire softball game and doing like 20 beat the odds <laughs> rolls in a row. <laughs> we are doing simulationist idolon become your best self, baby. Uh, Alright. Um Do we wanna do we wanna talk about some teens? Before we do, I think mm-hmm. the last thing to kind of just mention would be like the quote default setting which there isn't really much of one in this um it's it's sort of you're allowed to put it in almost any uh setting that you want most of the time it's going to be like a fairly mundane modern world um because that's you know what both uh jojo's and persona traffic in is like the world kind of seems normal on the surface but there are people with like these really weird powers running around um but, like, yeah, there's no, like, you know, pages and pages of, like, backstory about factions and history and whatnot. The one thing that is kind of uh, inherent to this is something called the Undertow, um, which, Molly, would you like to explain what the Undertow is? Uh, the Undertow, um, it's very easy if you've played Persona 5, uh, because it's very similar. It is like a... Not uh, played Nicole- Persona 5. All right, well, it is the collective unconscious of, like, the people who live uh, in the real world. Um, it is it is a realm uh, in which, like, spirits and... Uh, not even necessarily spirits, shades and emotions dwell. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of a chaotic realm. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's the cognitive realm of, like, the real world. So, um, in Eidolon, playtest that kind of uh, manifests as an enormous mansion... Uh, that has, like, rooms in it for each moment in history. Uh, but, you know, in Persona 5, it's like um, it's like a subway system that you can go through and fight monsters in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's weird. It's, like, not, you know, like a literal physical space. It's something that kind of, like, overlaps the real world, and there are, like, points in the world where there's, like, more of a connection to the undertow. Um, and it affects people in ways that they might not be able to understand. It's not something that, like, you know, if you're not if you're not actively seeking it out, then you can still have a life that is really colored by your interactions with the undertow. Um, and you might not it's where realize it at any point in your life. It's where they keep the vibes. Um, and some of those vibes are really fucked. <laughs> some of those vibes are fucked up. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah, but like 
a lot of the kind of setting information in the game is not necessarily like laying out like the standard setting, but more just kind of saying like, hey, these are the questions that you should probably figure out before you have um, your game start, right? And those can be things like, uh, who can see Eidolons, you know? Um, do Eidolons have like a separate cognition or are they kind of like automata um, that are just pure extensions of their masters? Um, things like that, right? Like what is the specific nature of the undertow in your setting? You know, is it something where like there are people who consciously interact with it and have done so for thousands of generations? Or is it something where like it's just starting to, to bleed through? Um, is it something that people know a lot about if they're the right people, or is it, you know, completely bizarre and alien to everyone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the general, like, the mood of an Eidolon game in general should just be, like, the undertow seeping into the real world and, like, doing some weird stuff to it mm-hmm. that yep. the player characters um, are dealing with. Yeah, also, like... There are typically, like, conventions that define Eidolons. Um, like, they're all either, you know, the, the the book gives some examples as well. And it could be, like, uh, are they all, like, references to a specific mythology? Are they all named after uh, songs? Um, the answer is they're all named after songs. Because um, that's a really cool conceit in JoJo's. And even if I don't really have any opinion about JoJo's either way, uh, it's something that I'm going to lift. I just think one of the things that is, like, really, really cool about, like, I don't know, this concept in general is the idea of, like, you know, it just, the idea of, like, Eidolons or stands or personas, like, it just allows for such, like, an easy, like, expressivity of, like, what a character's deal is, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, it's just such a cool, like, tool for characterization, you know? Like, here's my, you know, if you have a teenager who's just like a normal teen and then it's like oh i have the ability to summon a like a bizarre anime pirate with a big pirate ship that like shoots guns at things it's like okay that says something about this kid and it's just yeah, such like yeah. an easy like concise tool for like giving a character a vibe uh and i think that's one of the main things that is like cool about this concept yeah uh, do we want to talk about some of those normal teenagers uh, who have vibes? I'm down for that. Yeah, we could do Let's that. Let's do it. Uh, so we, uh, so Eidolon Playtest, the po- the Playtest podcast, it has two, it has two sort of like sides, uh, two different campaigns running, and each side is is kind of loosely themed after a different genre of music. So there's Eidolon Rock and Eidolon Pop. And for our characters, we decided to do Eidolon Pop Punk. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. The objectively best genre of music. <laughs> That's right. So, um, and our sort of, because we have Molly here, we, we are, our characters, like, concept, which is kind of shared between all three of them, is it is a group of teenagers who used to be good friends when they were kids and have now drifted apart, only to be brought back together by, like, a supernatural mystery in their shitty uh, beachside town in New Jersey, and their like awakening to Eidolon powers. Hey, Olivia, what's the name of that town? Uh, the name of the town is Ocean Avenue, New Jersey. Hell yeah, <laughs> you love to hear it. Uh, um, 
Yeah. Does anyone want to go first with their character? Uh, I could go first. My guy, he's got kind of a protagonist vibe. Um, the So the way I was th- figuring we could do it is we could sort of rotate where it's like everyone explains like the character, like who their character is. And then we kind of like mm-hmm. go back around and talk about everyone's Eidolon. And then we kind of go back around and, or like, and then we could kind of like collectively do ties is what I was thinking. And then do the questions. Yeah. Yeah. Is my thinking. Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right. So my character for Eidolon Pop Punk is Ryan Jones, who is, um, Eidolon has some questions that it asks you to like define uh, for coming up with your character. Uh, one of them is what kind of person are they? And I wrote a puppy dog femboy. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> God. And then I posted it on Twitter and everyone liked it. So naturally it was the correct decision. Um, yeah, absolutely. But Ryan's thing is he, he is, you know, um, he's like the kind of kid who, when he started to get like, um into like middle school late middle school early high school his parents like really pressured him to like go out for sports so in the current day he's like kind of a jock um sort of he is hannah i forget what sports exactly hannah knows more about sports than i do um oh yeah uh i think we because he wants to do one for every season yeah and like cardio sports so i think it was if i remember cross country swimming track yeah cross-country swimming and track so he does kinds of those kinds of sports um but the thing about ryan is that he does the sports but he's not like socially a jock um yeah because i (laughs) Hmm? no that's just a very funny phrase (laughs) um because he you know he so i i'm envisioning this town as the kind of place where it's like being sort of the modern day, it would be not okay to call someone a homophobic slur, you know? Uh-huh. However, there's no rule in that book that doesn't say nobody really talks to or invites the kind of feminine kid to hang out or do anything with the team beyond, like, being on the sports team. So the idea for Ryan is that, like, because he is, like, kind of you know, he's kind of short and, like, a little effeminate and, you know, kind of, like, uh, bubbly and, like, a little too eager to make friends with people. And it just kind of backfired on him. And he doesn't have any friends on the te- on the sports teams that he plays. Oh, no. And they just kind of don't talk to him. And they're not unfriendly to him. But, like, they just don't, you know, when they go out to eat, they do not invite Ryan. And Ryan doesn't oh, ask no. to go anymore. Um, Ryan. the, the, la- the time that Ryan remembers where he was happiest was in grade school was when he, w- when he was friends with, you know, two girls who lived in his neighborhood and they were inseparable and had a bunch of fun hanging out together. And he really would just love to go back there. Uh, cause that was pretty sick. Uh, but then gender happened to everybody when they all got into like middle school and that sucked ass. Um, but the good news for Ryan is that he and his two childhood friends have all discovered superpowers. Uh, so as far as he's concerned, (laughs) this is the best thing that could have possibly happened to him because now they all have something in common again. Yeah. So they just have to like, you know, go on an adventure, uh, save their shitty town and they'll all become best friends again. It's real simple. It's easy. It's really easy. Nothing bad can possibly oh, Ryan. happen. Ryan's greatest fear is endings. 
the the idea that something could be over and there is nothing to be done. Oh my god, half of me wants to just like pick Ryan up and fold him into a perfect sphere and cradle him, (laughs) and the other half just wants to cyberbully him so hard. (laughs) Shove him into a locker. There we go, there we go, that's the mood. Pick him up, sphere, cradle him, and then just like roll him down a bowling lane. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is the first jock who gets shoved into a locker. Exactly, (laughs) That's that's the exact vibe I was going for. Okay. I, Get- I can confirm, by the way, that, like, the teams that you picked are also absolutely teams where, like, you can be just, like, you know, a kid who is uh, skinny and has good cardio, but does not have, like, the jock vibe whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, ah, perfect. Ah, beautiful characterization. Uh, so that's Ryan. Um, and now uh, we we pass the torch to one of Ryan's two old childhood friends who definitely wants to be friends again just as badly as he does, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. My character, my character is uh, Jamie Brown, uh, who currently um, is doing the best they can uh, at being a reporter for the school newspaper, <laughs> um, which generally means. They are not really interested in school news, uh, per se. They're more interested in kind of reporting on what's going on socially at school, which is not, like, what you do for journalism class, but it's all they keep doing. <laughs> uh, so the teacher has <laughs> kind of given up on on uh, trying to get them to cover anything besides uh, local gossip. Is, is um, the journalism class one of those classes where it's, like, three kids and the teacher, and so it's like, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah it's like the it's like three kids there's like an editor-in-chief but it's not like it's a real position it's just that one of the people has to be in charge of putting the newspaper out and you know that's how it is um i don't know that jamie's like a mean person uh but they are highly interested in the social goings-on of the school uh more than anything else um they uh just kind of drifted away from everyone else uh, and they have a very, very high interest in the local politics of Ocean Avenue, New Jersey. Uh, not the schools, but the towns, more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> You've um, created Jughead Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I accidentally did make Jughead. <laughs> this is good. How does Jamie feel about burgers? Uh, I think Jamie does like a burger. <laughs> Okay. It's just that yes. uh, local newspaper where like with like a reporter who's way too interested in like local politics is is like Riverdale Riverdale style Jughead Jones. <laughs> you know they run like a um anonymous Tumblr blog that's just like uh, the name of the them. school. Yeah, name of the school confessions uh and they curate the shit out of that ask box. <laughs> God. Uh I'm gonna, I'm going to uh yeah. I, I, while Hannah is talking, I'm gonna try to find a good uh pop punk related name for the school. Pretty cool. <laughs> Please, yes. Um, um, Jamie's greatest fear is becoming completely disconnected, and that doesn't mean like losing their friends or mm-hmm. uh you know anything else. It means like losing access to any information. They just want to know stuff. Hell okay, yeah. can I pitch a school name? Yeah, go yes. for it. The Middle High School. Of Ocean Avenue, New Jersey. <laughs> That's right. Yes, That's right. Absolutely. Middle High. Middle High. Uh, with its mass, okay. with its uh, famous sports teams, the Mids. 
No, they don't know about that slang. They don't, but the kids absolutely say, like, there's definitely some kids who think they're really funny by saying the mids are so loud. Yeah, Yeah, this is absolutely the type of town where there's, like, some people who are like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm the first person to ever discover weed, and I'm about to be the best person to ever do weed. I'm about to be the smartest person ever. That's right. Um, Cool. Uh, so that brings us to our last character, uh, who is named Ashton Trevino, uh, Ash for short. Um, and she is, again, as far as like what kind of, uh, person she is, um, she is a mean girl who is convinced that she is, uh, only temporarily out of convenience, uh, not really sincerely being a mean girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, no, she's actually just a piece of shit. So Great. she was, like, you know, someone who didn't make many friends as a kid. Um, she tended to get into a lot of fights and, like, throw fits whenever she perceived that someone had insulted her. Um, and, you know, just had, like, two friends who are named uh, Ryan and Jamie that she also eventually drifted apart from. Or maybe even, like, blew up at at some point and was like, no, fuck these guys. You know, they're fake friends. Um I've just learned about the concept of fake friends and now I'm going to cut all the grass and see the snakes. Um, but instead of like being really sociable when she was a little kid, she gravitated towards these interests that she could like do on her own. Um, specifically stuff like creepy pasta, lost media, found footage, <laughs> online horror challenges, and that general kind of like spooky secret shit that like a YouTuber with a sonorous voice might make videos about. Um, she's 100% tried to play the elevator game, only to realize that she needs to, like, hitch a ride over at least two towns in order to find a building tall enough to accommodate it. <laughs> um, and things really changed for Ash, uh, on her 14th birthday, when her parents let her in on the Trevino family secret. Uh, it's an old Spanish word that means those that live at the boundary, and it's no coincidence. Because her whole extended family has, for generations been settling in towns where the barrier between our world and the undertow is super thin and serving as like priests and emissaries um just making sure that like shades and rogue eidolons and whatnot uh just bad undertow activity don't spill through and cause problems um when she heard about that she was ecstatic for like a few minutes and then uh they explained further and she was heartbroken uh because it turns out that like being a trevino is not at all about like doing secret midnight investigations and having battles with demons it's like keeping some ornery weird assholes appeased and making sure that things in the town stay boring like doing a lot of routine maintenance providing routine offerings and like if a shadow demon actually shows up then people who are way above the trevino's pay grade are going to be called in um which like that moment just made her like really heartbroken and really like more pissed off at how boring this town is than ever. Um, so the upside to that is that she was granted an Eidolon to get uh, as part of her training as an emissary, which, ooh, don't want to go into too much detail about that yet because it's not the turn for that. But um, it did mean that she kind of like, uh, as she was entering high school, really started to uh, switch up like her whole vibe. 
um, and, like, practiced a whole lot at being, like, you know, socially astute and able to, like, uh, get along with people enough to learn things that she could then use to hurt them. Um, and so, like, she's very, like, classic mean girl, like, someone who will, like, be your friend for five minutes and then turn around and, like, you know, gossip about you and, and really hurt you in ways like that. Um, and, you know, she was always, like, prickly, but, uh, it's like, why would she be doing this? Uh, but that's definitely, like, her vibe right now, is somebody who's, like, popular-ish in the sense that, like, you don't want to get on her bad side, um... And, like, you know, she's, like, uh, uh, fashionable and cool and whatnot, but not someone who's, like, genuinely really well-liked, because she kind of just does end up being an asshole to just about everyone. Um, her greatest fear is uh, other people believing that I belong here. Youch. Damn. Pretty harsh. In my opinion, there's good in her. <laughs> <laughs> In Ryan's opinion, uh, we'll also. find out if there is still good in her. <laughs> it's very much Ryan's opinion. Uh. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> Dummy. Um, which, by the way, I can immediately kind of, like, see uh, that uh, Jamie almost certainly does a fair bit of reporting on, like, well, looks like Ash is at it again. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> uh, those are articles that Ryan reads, and he feels very connected to his old friends. <laughs> I was just reading them and it's like, ah, oh, the gang's all back together. Yeah, oh man, we still got it. Oh no. <laughs> Remember when we all used to play like News Crew and then Jamie would interview us and we'd be on like fake TV? That was so fun. Great times. Ah, uh, great. Uh, do we, do we want to go back to me and start Eidolons? Yeah, let's go. Let's do okay, it. Okay, so uh, Ryan Jones has the virtuoso Eidolon Welcome to Paradise. Um, the way that Eidolon powers work in Eidolon is that they uh, you fill in the blanks of a sentence based on your playbook. So the virtuoso like sentence is, My Eidolon is a real physical blank, and I'm so good with it that I can blank. And Ryan's specific sentence is, My Eidolon is a real physical journal, and I'm so good with it, I can transport things to and from the world its pages describe. Yes. Pretty cool. Uh, And the way that sort of, like, links into who he is as a person is, you know, he's a very solitary, you know, he's a pretty solitary guy. He doesn't really have friends. So he, like, got really into journaling and writing, and he's, like... 100% 100% like the high school kid who has like just an incredibly detailed like stupid fantasy world just based on all of the fantasy books that he likes reading. Um, oh buddy. And he This is so cute and oh no. <laughs> yeah and so he you know. Th- this kid in my high school class was also named Ryan and I loved him very dearly. Yeah Um. and so like you know the journal like his latest journal that he picked up to just start like writing new you know definitely the kind of guy who like buys a journal fills the whole damn journal with like everything under the sun and then buys a new journal and just keeps doing it um and in my head you know welcome to paradise is like the latest journal that he got um and becomes kind of like transformed into his eidolon um so the way this power can be used it you know he kind of has an unlimited backpack he can just kind of put things in there um that he needs he can also take things out um sometimes at velocity i don't know if either of you have ever played uh the world ends with you but um 
there's a yeah. there's a character in that game called Joshua who fights by kind of sort of like teleporting heavy objects above monsters and dropping it on them. Um, That's and sick. I imagine Ryan can do a similar thing, except they sort of like explode out of the pages of his book and fire at things uh, when he wants to do that. Um, Just like one of those like corny ads for libraries where it's like <laughs> a book is opening and like a knight and a dragon are coming out of it. Yeah, I think it's. I love the idea that he just opens the book to a page that just says Anvil <laughs> and then it just goes flying out of the book. <laughs> uh, except you know Ryan does the most, so he'll t- he'll he'll like he'll have to scroll through and be like, okay, here's where I specifically described an anvil in a poem that I wrote, and now the anvil is coming out of the poem. <laughs> Uh, he he always does the most um so ryan's stats um he his sort of stat spread is a zero power two elegance zero glam minus one genius and two biz um and my thinking behind those you know power and elegance you know he i know it's like eidolon's like eidolon's stats don't have to match up physically to a character um but this is, you know, this is a guy who is not very strong, like not particularly strong physically or mentally. You know, um, he's got he's got good <laughs> cardio. Um, yeah, and he can be sort of like uh, graceful. You know, he could be sort of graceful. Um, there's a certain amount of grace in uh, being being able to write your ridiculous uh, fantasy OCs and just have no absolutely no shame whatsoever. Um, and he's also kind of, you know, he, by virtue of being so set apart, you know, he has a uniqueness about him. That's where the biz is. Uh, I gave him a zero. I, 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 hmm? I, I want to, like, point out here the potential for infinite recursion uh, in that you've made an OC who makes a lot of OCs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts journaling about, like, this hypothetical character that makes OCs. <laughs> um. Uh, I gave him a zero glam because I didn't want to necessarily make him. He's not necessarily likable, you know, like he Mm -hmm. I think he is somebody who really wants to be friends with people. And maybe sometimes that would work for a few people, but sometimes it doesn't. And historically, it hasn't worked for him. Uh, So when it comes to sort of talking to people and persuading them, he is, you know, sort of on the, you know, sort of on the neutral end. Now, minus one genius. Ryan's not great at school. He's not great at oh, no. he's not great at books, really. He likes to write them, but he's not that great at like he's not super great at like academia. Um, he uh, do his papers tend to kind of be rambling. Yeah, yeah. He's just not like very like academically rigorous, you know. Like mm-hmm. uh, if he's if there is something that interests him, you know, he'll he'll learn about it. But does he necessarily retain the information when he stops being interested in it, or like? Can he necessarily bring it up later in a situation that's relevant? Not really. That's just kind of not who he is. Much more of a vibes guy yeah. than a than a facts guy. Oh, you gotta cool. have a vibes guy. <laughs> He's the vibes guy. Uh, so some of his moves. Um, I gave him a sort of suite of three moves, uh, which are recall, anti-theft measures, and remote operation, which let him call his idol on to him, um, take... Uh, offensive action against people who try to take the Eidolon without his permission and then operate the Eidolon and use its power remotely um, because he's really attached to this book and to his power in general. Yeah. Like Alternate 
alternate name for the move anti-theft measures is of course do not steal (laughs) (laughs) he is got him i these like three moves for me are kind of like expressing how attached he is to this thing now like this is like the best thing that has happened to him in a while and he wants to keep it really badly and he is convinced that if he ever, like, loses his power, you know, maybe he's not consciously convinced of this. He's not, like, aware that he believes this. But he does have this cognition that were he to lose his journal or its powers, then his friend, his, you know, his old friends would completely dump him, you know? Um, in his mind, oh, like, baby. what brings them together is that they are using their magic powers to solve this mystery. And if he doesn't have the powers, like, are they going to stick around? I mean, historically, they did not. So he's really fixated on that. Um, I also gave him the move Quick Draw, which gives him a plus one whenever he uses his Eidolon to attack someone who doesn't uh, believe that they can, that uh, he can or will attack them. <laughs> Just everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the boy, <laughs> the boy, the boy will go hard sometimes, and you won't necessarily expect that. Um <laughs> he's no longer baby now he wants power he do- well he has power and he's going to keep power, he has power. Uh, by any means necessary um, I had I had sort of loosely assumed that Ryan was going to be the most like combat-y character of this trio just based on uh, playbooks um, so I, I think that is just, just kind of fun to think about yeah Oh yeah, he will be having he Ryan. will be having a conversation with some sort of person or entity up until the point that he decides that's a threat, and all of a sudden an anvil is coming out of his book at them. <laughs> was there a was there a fifth move? Did I miscount? Um, no, there was not a fifth move because I increased his biz. Okay, got it. Just making yeah. sure. So yeah, uh, should should I do my idol on next? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am using the Navigator playbook, um, and my Eidolon is called the Sharpest Lives. Um, the The sentence for the Navigator is, my Eidolon can perfectly sense blank in the area around it. Um, uh, the Sharpest Lives, my Eidolon can perfectly sense gossip in the area around nice. it. Nice. <laughs> oh my god. Nice. <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah, so. I love the idea that there's just like this, this. You, you kind of have a compass that just passively points towards Ash at any given time. <laughs> no, now here's the thing. I have a very specific... The thing that the Sharpest Lives look like... I'm going to send you to an image right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's from Grand Blue Fantasy. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Um, and it looks and it uh, looks like this. It looks like a cat emoji. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is, <laughs> okay. If you search thing. Halloween Azazel, it's just a shitty little guy in a devil outfit. <laughs> sucks ass uh conceptually this eidolon is supposed to be the devil on your shoulder Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of the that's kind of the aesthetic um stat line uh one power uh what did i do for elegance zero elegance two genius no glam uh and minus one biz um so the moves i have based around this and for the navigator you also get something called your area of expertise uh, mm-hmm. topic on which your brain is a comprehensive and ex- an encyclopedic compendium. Uh, the thing uh, for Jamie's area of expertise is the local politics of Ocean Avenue, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, for advanced moves, I didn't take any stat ups. I didn't think it was necessary for me. 
Um, the first move is dredge your mind where you can search your memory for any relevant information regarding your current situation. Uh, and you get a bonus if it's related to your area of expertise. Um, mm-hmm. I also took signal repeater, which lets me move my scanning abilities to center on anyone or anything I have a tie with, um, allowing me to sense the area around them instead of around my Eidolon, uh, specifically. I'm, ima- I'm imagining um, sharpest fives just kind of like chowtzu onto ryan's back as he runs around (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly it and in addition i took a tagging shot which is when when you or your eidolon have wounded someone or something then until that wound is healed you can use signal repeater to move your scanning radius onto them regardless of whether or not you have a tie with them um so the thing about jamie is that they pretend to be very clumsy (laughs) uh which means that, like, they are constantly bumping into people they want to get information from uh, and making sure they hit hard enough to leave a bruise. Uh, because until the bruise goes away, <laughs> they can get information from them. checking people in the halls. Yes, really hard. What and people <laughs> and people have, like, caught on to this and been like, why are they so mean? Like, why do they keep bumping into me like that? Um, that's why, <laughs> because then the sharpest life follows them around for a while. So, so out of curiosity, how long have both of you had your Eidolons? That's a good question. I was thinking this would be, like, I really envision this as, like, if this is, like, a narrative, if this is, like, Eidolon, Eidolon playtest season three, like, this is some. Uh, Welcome to Paradise is something that Ryan sort of awakens to, like, in the course of play. Like, this is new to him, yeah. and he thinks it's the dopest thing ever. I think, by necessity, uh, Jamie has to have had it a little bit longer than that. Like, maybe just before play started. Um, yeah. Just because they're already <laughs> being such a shit about it. Uh, and, you know, this is why they're so in- like into the newspaper right now is because they have this little guy uh, going around and getting information for them. Um, In addition, uh, I took threat detection, uh, which lets me, or which lets Jamie sense uh, if a scenario they are in is currently dangerous, though they don't get to know what the source of that danger is. Um, And then the move perfect deduction, which is when you roll a 12 plus when investigating, answer the first question you ask yourself rather than having the GM answer it. And whatever you state as the answer to the question is true. That's such a cool move. Pretty it's cool. fun. Um, yeah. And that's a, that is a wants per session move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause otherwise, cause otherwise <laughs> the smart people in your club are just going to tell you everything that's going on. Just, I have the new GM. I'm the GM <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, what else am I missing here? I think that's pretty much the whole thing. Um, Jamie has only become a bigger gossip since uh, getting an idol on, uh, and I can only see it getting worse. Uh, okay. Um, I have a lot of questions about this, uh, about the dynamic specifically between Jamie and Ash, but I think those are better uh, asked once I've uh, outlined what my idol on is. Um, uh-huh. And that Eidolon is Misery Business. Uh, uses the Alchemist playbook. The Alchemist's summary sentence is, My Eidolon can transform any blank it touches into blank. Uh, misery Business can transform any sadness it touches into precious metal. Oh my god. Um, 
Hell yeah. Y- yeah, yeah. So you better believe that like her modus operandi is to just like make people feel like shit and then like get close enough to them uh, like within 10 feet away, uh, which is the range of the Adelon, uh, and then just turn that sadness into some precious metal. Now, what she is trying to do with that precious metal is um, build up enough of like a, a a savings that she can get the fuck out of this town and never look back. But uh, that is a lot easier said than done. Like when she first got her idolized, she was like, okay, this is perfect. I can just use this to get out of here instantly. But um, okay, first off, it's not like there's a thriving black market in precious metals <laughs> in Ocean Avenue, New Jersey. Who is buying this? It's also like, even if there was, it's not like a surly middle class teenager would know how to access it. (laughs) And even if she could, it's not like she'd be able to do it all at once without tipping off her parents and their bosses that there's illicit Eidolon activity going on. Mm -hmm. So it's been like super slow going um, and that has naturally made her more miserable. Um, But the thing is... When she takes someone's sadness, it's not like it makes them happy. It just kind of, like, removes that component of, like, whatever emotional mix they're feeling. So, unless it's been, like, kind of intermingled with, like, it's a sad horny or it's a sad angry, um, then it kind of just ends up feeling, like, empty and numb. Uh, So there's a lot of people that she's just kind of, like, left not like permanently but definitely um in a decently lasting way um as just kind of like sleepwalking their way through uh uh the this halls at a high school Eidolon that gives you depression um, that's right <laughs> um she also of course uh has been uh pretty miserable and frustrated about this herself um and she has accordingly taken to using misery business on herself, uh, forging her sadness into these little gold bracelets that she wears on her left wrist, uh, each of them marked with the date at which she couldn't take it anymore and had to use misery business to cope. Uh, if you're an astute observer, you might note that the dates are getting closer together. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, she's, she's not doing great. Um, but the thing about her is that, like, being a mean girl like doesn't actually bring her joy which is like one of my favorite parts of the actual song misery business in that like this sounds like you were having the least fun possible being like a heartbreaking bitch um (laughs) i know you wrote a song about it but yeah um but like she doesn't feel like it's a true reflection of who she is uh parentheses even though she's been doing it constantly for years um she tries to like kind of assure herself that like look i I'm I'm distancing myself from this. My real life hasn't started yet. When I finally get out of Ocean Avenue, I'm not going to use misery business like this anymore. And, you know, I'm going to have like a, a, a life and a career somewhere else that's going to make me happy. Anywhere but here, anything but this. Um, but mm, is that actually going to happen, though? Because, like, you're <laughs> going to be graduating high school pretty soon and you are not close to having enough savings that aren't in the form of, like, you know, gold and silver objects that you have no idea how to sell. Ash, it's been 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, uh, she gets a job like as a teacher in high school and just continues to do this. No. <laughs> She's like fucking oh my 30 God. or 40. Oh my God. Awful. 
Just torturing children. No. Uh, no. No, she's 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 a big piece of shit. Um the appearance that I had for Misery Business is like a feminine humanoid figure with long black hair in a black skirt suit. Um and the ends of its hair and its skirts turn into like wispy shadows and its eyes and mouth seem like there's they're empty, like there's no like solid matter behind them. Uh, but instead, there's a faint red glow that turns into a brighter golden glow whenever Misery Business has just worked a transmutation. Um, and its default expression is like a very smug grin, uh, which is a big contrast from Ash's default expression. <laughs> Hooray. Um, yes. Yeah, as far as stats, we've got minus one power. Um, she is not going to be doing physical combat. Ridiculous. Uh, she has zero elegance, zero genius, uh, one glam, which like, you know, she, she is like a force of personality at this point, but it's certainly not two and is never going to be two because like, there are too many people who just like, uh, for very good reason already hate her. Um, and then her biz is two, uh, cause she has been ensconced in this world of like weird idol on shit for years now. Love it. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, the basic things that the, uh, playbook can do are mold reality, which is roll, uh, make a biz roll to just turn something into something else according to your specific description. Uh, you can revert something that you've transmuted into what it used to be if you touch it. Um, you can do, a uh, healing touch, uh, which I think that, like, it's a corner case here, but fuck it i'm going to say that like if she gets a plus 10 then she can kind of finally manipulate things enough to like create like uh wound bindings that have antimicrobial silver in them um and then destructive alchemy says that you can uh use your eidolon for combat um you can scrap or bombard with it which is basically melee and range combat respectively so what moves has she picked up uh she's got release which says you don't need to touch something to revert it uh, she's got transformative vision, uh, which lets her uh, mold reality uh, with anything that she has line of sight of, uh, which is very fun that she can just like go around uh, looking at someone and extracting their sadness. Uh, she's also got it's already been changed, uh, which says when you reveal your master plan to declare that you secretly imbued something with a delayed reaction that you're now triggering. Uh, or that you're now releasing something that was already transformed by you in a previous, you know, off-screen scene. Uh, you can roll with plus biz. And she has the question, analyti- or the, the power analytical eye, which says, when you investigate an area, add the question, what here can my Eidolon transform to the list of questions you can ask? Which, in context here, it means, who is going through it today? <laughs> Who's sad in this hallway? <laughs> <laughs> who is crying in this club? Uh, um, so I was wondering if I was wondering previously if uh, sharpest lives, uh, you know, uh, finding gossip in the area was always going to, you know, always pointing to Ash was going to be the what here is evil question. But no, this is the what here is evil question. This is the what here is. <laughs> it's going to be Ryan. <laughs> when you're sad, it's going to be Ryan. Oh, oh buddy. Um, and then. Uh, We've got the one, like, master level move, which is uh, something that would 
be only taken kind of like at the end of a character arc for her in which uh it's revealed that there is still good in her and she kind of like gets some sense knocked into her uh you know however forcibly as necessary um she realizes that she's been a piece of shit and she starts slowly trying to make amends uh so the movie is called something from nothing and it says instead of transforming the usual base material into what you want to create you can simply attempt to conjure it out of thin air um, and when she picks up that move, her Eidolon name changes to Misery Business slash I'm Not Angry Anymore, uh, the latter of which is a brief interlude on a later Paramore album that's about how, like, the speaker is still definitely super angry and bitter, but tried to work on it and not be such a huge bitch anymore. <laughs> that's lovely. Good for her. Yeah, that's good right. Good for her. As we all know, there is still good in her. As we... There is As so we good all in know. <sighs> um, so yeah, like I mean, presumably you had been, uh, uh, Molly, like Jamie had been uh, seeing Ash like do this, you know, this routine of just like making people feel like shit for years. Um, and now when she got her own Eidolon, she can now see Ash's Eidolon. <laughs> Yeah, so the she's question like, Hang is on a like, fucking minute. What? What is her reaction to all of that? Uh, I think Jamie's reaction is like, "Wait, so you've been doing this just for personal gain? <laughs> like, you, <laughs> like you're trying to make money off of making people sad?" <laughs> uh, and she's like, "Yeah, what about it?" <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, "Excuse you, I'm a fucking up at making money off of." <laughs> <laughs> okay then now that yeah. is not great um for the in the uh does she still have good in her category but it's not hopeless <laughs> people do all kinds of weird things when they're sad similarly like i think that at, at least at the start of their like arc together like ash um i think she kind of like tries to be vaguely nice to ryan because he's like so pitiable but um i think she just like looks at jamie and is like oh it's my favorite bottom feeder <laughs> yeah no why do why it's do we just have like, to fight I'm sorry buddy but What's why that? do we have to fight hold on can we just get along yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's just like you know if when she's confronted about it it's like Buddy, I've been, like, paying your bills for years now. <laughs> like, you have a column because of me, so if you want to start thanking me, now would be a good time. Now, hold on. The school newspaper does not make any money. That does not make any money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's very much incorrect on a number of key premises there, but she's saying it very confidently. Uh. Yeah, no, this isn't, you know, I don't need you for this. I can find anybody who's a bitch. <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds like we want to do ties. Hell yeah. Um, Let's do ties. I was thinking we would do the ties um in sort of their like second stage, which is, you know, the relationships are characterized by kind of an initial premise and then sort of an elaboration in their causes, you know. X is you know, X is Y, but also Z, and al- or like and also Z. You know. 
Yeah. Which is how they're described mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, does anyone want to go first for ties? How they think about the other two player characters? Um, mm. I will go. Uh, I think Ash's view towards Ryan is like, there's nothing that I could do to him that the world hasn't already done many times. That makes him sound so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like one of those guys who's like, throw me to the wolves and I'll come back leading the pack. Which is the opposite of how he is. (laughs) Throw me to the wolves and I will sit in the same room as those wolves and just try not to think about them. We'll just vibe. Yeah. But, like, she she very much has, like, a a view towards him of, like, I mean, I could, like, use my idol on, on, I could, like, do my routine on him, but, like, hasn't the poor guy suffered enough? Um, and then I think that her uh, opinion towards uh, Jamie is, um, it's really cute that Jamie thinks they're more than a bottom feeder. Yeesh! Damn. Rude Damn. girl! Rude. Very rude girl. Um, yeah. Molly, do you want to go or should I go? Um, I definitely have one for uh, Ash where Jamie just thinks she's cruel but useful. <laughs> uh, she's always because, you know, in theory, she's always bullying someone new. Yeah. So, yeah, she gets around. So you get to hear a lot of stuff. Uh, I love the idea. Like- uh, a little character portrait of Ash that like has a, a banner beneath it that says "cruel but useful" and fancy font. <laughs> I just love the idea of the sharpest lives. Like you see them the whole fucking time, and you're like, "God damn it!" R- again, huh? Still okay. Um... You just see like a flash of red turn to gold, and you're like, "Ah, god damn it! It's second period." <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday. That's the best time to do it. Yeah, everybody's already sad. <laughs> um, and I, I'm trying to think of one for Ryan because I think they get along just fine. Like I think the two of them are the more normal <laughs> than than Ash is to them. Um, but I'm trying to. I'm trying. Do you have Do you have a suggestion for how uh, Ryan sees Jamie? Yeah. So I was going to say. Um, hmm. I, I kind of also have the thing where my Ash tie is really defined, which I think it was going to be. Um, Ash is r- really mean, but she doesn't have to be. <laughs> uh, That's all true. Are you potentially suggesting that they're still good in her? Yeah, there's, there's def- Ryan, this is something Ryan believes with his whole heart. Uh, I think Ryan <laughs> believes that for a lot of people. <laughs> maybe more than maybe more than he should. But not as many as you'd think is the thing with Ryan, right? Like Um Yeah. For Jamie, um <laughs> Cause I'm thinking at some point Jamie is like, oh oh boy, Ryan, you need somebody to help you. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I'm thinking the dare I fall into an older sibling category, but <laughs> I think that might be just <laughs> Ryan is like, oh, you're in these clubs, but nobody. Oh, honey. Oh, no. How many sports do you do when you don't have a single friend? <laughs> it's, it's four oh. sports. It's three sports, but yeah. 
It's three sports. Summer, uh, I think summer, Ryan just like, is like, well, I'm hitting the beach. It's just like, I'm a, I'm at the beach. I'm at the beach. I'm swimming. Or like working at my job on the boardwalk. <laughs> Can't hang out, obviously, because I'm too busy at my job. Um, I think Ryan's thing about uh, Jamie might be like, Jamie is pretty much how I remember them as a kid. And I like that. You know, it's like, yeah, it, Ryan is like, I think, and this is, I think, a mistake on Ryan's part, but to think like, okay, Ash is the problem. Ash, she's been, she's been through some shit, but Jamie, that's my friend Jamie. We're, it's fine. We're getting along great. It's a, yeah, very look normal. Look at us, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, uh, Jamie's for Ryan is Ryan needs someone to protect him. <laughs> But that doesn't necessarily mean me. Damn. <laughs> oh, the poor kid. He's. Tr- <laughs> I just don't. Jamie's just like I don't know if I could do anything about this. Oh man, God. Children. Children. I think. I think that like the the dynamic of this party is that like over time, like Ryan is just undefeatable puppy dog nature just drags Ash kicking and screaming towards being marginally less of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan's like orientation towards Ash just being like, sorry, sorry, she's trying to fix it. <laughs> Even when she's clearly not trying that... to fix it. Uh, just trying to pull her out of every situation. <laughs> Because I, I think that, like, Ash does, like, initially kind of see this sort of situation as, like, oh, look at those two. They're, they're, they're friends again. Well, that's nice. Uh, looks like Ryan's got someone to protect him. Uh, and then goes ahead and reads Jamie's character sheet and is like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Okay, fine. I guess it has to be me. It's <laughs> just uh, the same uh, portrait of... Um... The, the same portrait of Ryan, but he's sitting in a box that says, Adopt Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I think that, like, Ash is definitely the sort of, like, character that, like, initially comes across as, like, having her shit together way more than the other two. And being somebody who, like, A, knows about all this Eidolon stuff and probably delivers a bunch of the exposition and the, you know, in the show that this would be. Um, but who like over time is revealed to be like just as much of a miserable fuck up as any other kid in this high school. Um, and so there's like this, this real like kind of fall from grace where she kind of eventually has to build herself back up as something that's like a little less unnecessarily toxic for just no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Th- oh yeah. I think kind of like the sort of like the hidden depths of like, ryan's character is that like he seems less aware than he is you know like i i think it's like easy to look at him and be like oh this poor idiot child like he he has no idea uh but i think the sad part is that he does have like a decent idea you know um and part of the reason yeah. why he is such a puppy dog about it is he's like well i have to make myself as useful and as likable to these people as i can um, or else, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. God. I'm so it's sad. Very, I'm so sad for this kid. He's very sad. He's a sad boy. This, 
this this little dog deserves a lot better. Uh, do we want to do the questions for everybody? Let's do it. Let's do some questions. Yeah, I, I don't think there's like much to discuss here in terms of plot. It's just like spooky undertow shit starts happening. Uh, you know, it immediately gets way above the Trevino's pay grade. And so there's like probably a conspiracy and probably a mystery that we have to solve mm-hmm. and save our town. Hooray. We did Ash's it. Family, Ash's did family it. is like, okay, so we need you all to sit tight until help comes here. And Ryan's like, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm the hero. <laughs> here I go. <laughs> did you not hear me when I said I have protagonist vibes? This is this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. Like, good luck catching him. He's on the track team. You're yeah. get him. Ash's either mom or dad being like, okay, okay, listen here, listen here. This is highly dangerous. He's like, uh huh, uh huh. You could die. Uh huh, uh huh. You would have. It's like this is like this is something only professionals can deal with. You understand me? He's like, uh, you're just making it better. This is. <laughs> this this is like every anime I've ever watched. <laughs> oh, he loves anime, and that's part of the. He loves anime. He loves anime, but he and like, but the weird anime, you know, like he'll be someone will yeah. find out he likes anime and be like, oh, like DBZ, and he's like, no, I don't watch DBZ. Have you ever heard of? Uh, fuck, I'm blanking on the name of this, but he definitely knows like the pop, like the new popular shonen that nobody's really heard of. So when he just like says the Japanese name, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I love it. Uh, he's on Tumblr. He is like defo on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> Does he know about Jamie's Tumblr blog? Or he not? follows it. I don't think yeah. he knows it's. Does he know it's Jamie's? I don't think though. he knows it's their Tumblr <laughs> the blog. Question. I think he probably tries to everyone, show Jamie the blog. Knows it's Jamie's. I think he's the one person who doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I. I don't think he tries to show Amy, but he definitely tries to show Ash. <laughs> God. Hey, look, this one's about you. <laughs> <laughs> or no. Ash is like, I know I sent He's that trying in. to convince her. He's <laughs> yeah. trying to convince her to be a little nicer to people, right? And then he's like, he's like, yeah. you, you gotta understand, like, people don't like you. Like, they really don't like you. Like, hold on. He goes into his likes <laughs> and then just finds one of the posts she's really mean. It's like, here, look. Jamie's like, this is your likes. <laughs> and she just like scans it and is like, sounds like a cool post about a cool girl. Wow. He's like, no, it's not. It's a bitter post <laughs> about a mean girl. Um, I think there's definitely like a couple times like early in this in this game where like Ash is being like, okay, I am going to turn over a new leaf and be just really nice to Ryan starting now. And then, like, immediately he's like, hey, so have you heard this new shonen anime? And she's just like, oh my god. <laughs> Starting tomorrow. <laughs> this boy's getting roasted today. <laughs> um, the one thing that I would want to ask uh, Molly uh, is, that we haven't, like, really touched yet is, like, obviously uh, Ash and Jamie have, like, a very tense and often like hostile relationship at the start that like Ryan has to kind of act as like, you know, protagonist mediator in, but um, how does uh, Jamie react towards like Ash's earnest, but very kind of like halting and incompetent attempts to like be a somewhat better person? Uh, Apprehensively. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's like, well, because Jamie's like, I've seen you do this song and dance. I know this one. Like, <laughs> this is how you get into everybody. I'm yeah. not going to be nice just because you're being nice again all of a sudden. This is what yeah. you do to literally everyone. I follow you around all the time. What what she might say is, there's a million other girls who do it just like you, looking as innocent as possible to get the who <laughs> they want and what they like. Uh-huh. It's easy if you do it right. But I, JV, refuse. I refuse. Ryan being like, no, I think she really means it this time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand, like... <laughs> I I know you were off doing something else, but her eidolon turned, like, really weird, and it was, like, a whooshy, and then, like, I gave her a hug, and she cried, and, like, listen, it's, it's going, look. Oh, she cried? Okay. <laughs> He's like, no, but, like, a real cry, like a real, like an, like an ugly cry, Jamie, it was ugly. Uh, Ash just sending in a, a note to, or, like, an anonymous note to, uh, Jamie's Tumblr being like, so I heard that, like, Ash Trevino, like, didn't ugly cry and has never ugly cried. <laughs> just some hot gossip. Publishing that immediately. Right, like, look, here, she cried on my jersey, look. <laughs> Clicking on the ass just hits, like, publish and only adds LOL to it. Uh... Oh my god. I love these three. Morons. Absolute morons. I'm so stupid. Alright, questions. Um, are we ready for the questions then? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna awesome. go. I'm just gonna go. Ryan Ryan go Ryan it, Jones go. question number one. What is the most embarrassing story from his childhood that everybody remembers? Oh my god. Um, my immediate answer is some kind of fall into a river. <laughs> Uh, he tried to jump it he tried to like bike jump it <laughs> oh buddy just the bike being swept away by the very slow current <laughs> he definitely just goes we built like the shittiest ramp it barely went up but Ryan's just like yeah we can make it it's gonna be you good see the thing is Ryan they were they were very young. Ryan did not get to the point of physics where they explained that like all objects in the air go down. You can't like you can't like go <laughs> just like straight forward in the air. <laughs> so he just kind of smacked into the bank and fell in the river. Oh, the poor thing! Definitely cried. He he would like one hundred percent cried. He definitely in a cried. Really gay way. <laughs> <laughs> Crying parentheses homosexual. <laughs> There's just like some submissions that come in to uh, Jamie's blog every week that she like with that they withhold uh, that are just like here are some new slurs I'd like to call Ryan. <laughs> like, I found no, just just Still people not just people it. just like people ask like hey you run the blog is Ryan Jones gay? <laughs> I'm like I'm wondering this is he gay and sometimes it just, it just only ever only ever reblogs it would just like stop asking <laughs> go ask him no don't ask him uh, okay um, and then I mean in related news the second Ryan's second question yeah. um, which is uh, which one of you does he have an obvious crush on and how does your character feel about that um, it feels like it would be Ash. Probably, yeah. Um, it it feels so. like that's very tied into the insisting that there is still good in her thing. 
Um, and, and completely not self-aware enough to realize, like, no, it's just because she's pretty. It's just because she's pretty and talks to you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there is still good at her is my catchphrase, pretty much. And I exclusively yes. use it to mean she is pretty. <laughs> that's all it means. Uh, that's the only qualification to still have good at you. <laughs> um, but I think that as far as what Ash's reaction to it is... Um, it is, like, a gif of the grimacing emoji just, like, rotating at increasing <laughs> speeds. Uh, to- just being like, oh, but, buddy, buddy, uh, ooh, how do I phrase this delicately? Mm, I'm bad news and you deserve someone nice. How about that? And the thing is, I don't think it's a crush that he, like, necessarily pursues. I think he's just really, like... He's he's like nice to Ash with the fury of somebody who has to have a crush on her. <laughs> but he never yeah. like tries right. to what And like t- the thing is I think Ash is kind of used to like willfully interpreting anyone being nice to her as like having a crush on her and then like using that to roast them. Um but she doesn't want to roast uh uh Ryan, <laughs> but like <laughs> So, so, like, she kind of just ends up with, like, a file not found, where it's like, wait, what do I do in this situation? What's the other option I could do here? <laughs> like, there's roast, and there's, like, oh, help me out, help me out. There's gotta be another one, right? There's gotta be another one. Uh, wait, yeah. I've come up with another bit of right. He, okay, so ever since he biked his car into the, um, the river, he doesn't, he doesn't bike. He does have a car, though. Somehow. Okay. <laughs> Somehow, like, I actually imagine him as having multiple older brothers. Um, I'm like probably like significantly older brothers, so I imagine he could have like a hand-me-down car, uh, for one of them. Oh sure, um, and it's definitely yeah. shit, but he loves it. He loves that car. Um, really imagining him just like pulling up to Ash's house and just like bam, bam, bam. bam. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I think he, uh, I, I would like, uh, can it be that, like, Ryan st- just started calling her Ash? Like, nobody else does. But it's like, uh, he just gave her a nickname and just, like, rolled with it. I think that's very What's, cute. What is Ash's full name again? Ashton. Ashton. I love the idea that JB just calls her Ashton only ever. <laughs> Conversation in which every time Ryan says uh, Ash, Jamie says Ashton. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jamie's just like, nope, nope, that's definitely what people call her. Like, see, I have like five submissions, pending submissions on my blog. (laughs) And it says here very clearly, Ashton is a huge bitch. (laughs) There's like three for Ryan. I think we should call her Ash. <laughs> He's just like, but we're friends. Friends give each other nicknames. God. Um, I think that I, I really like that idea. And I also like that she kind of like, despite herself, uh, really likes that nickname and like almost thinks of herself as being like you know an Ash rather than an Ashton. The more he says it, mm-hmm. um, so I, I I think that like you know it's good in her. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that, like, as their relationship evolves, like, Ash's vibe towards Riot is, quote, charmed in spite of herself. <laughs> you can't deny the dog boy. He's wagging his tail Deeply too hard. Deeply pissed off that this is working on me. Uh, this is great. I love awesome. this. I'm very happy with this. Uh, Molly, do you want to do your questions? Uh, yeah, the silly question is, what awful card game does Jamie play in their free time? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not going to be, like, one of the, the really big ones. It's not going to be Magic. It's not going to be Hearthstone. It's not going to be, um... Uh, uh, Legends of Runeterra. Um, if only we had Crass Pants here on this podcast to just like give us a bunch of like obsolete gay boy color card games. <laughs> I was thinking it's a phone game though. Like it's a tie-in. It's a tie-in like card game to like a really obscure anime. God, I'm there you trying go. to think of. There was some anime game, anime card game that came out. When I lived in California, still I can't remember the name of it, but it is extremely this. Yeah, and it's just like the it's it's the sort of thing where like whenever someone sees the art on one of the cards, she has to kind of like or they have to kind of like awkwardly explain it away. <laughs> like the, it, no, it's it's this part. Listen, she breathes. It. She it's, it's a thing. Important. She's like a plant. She breathes through her skin. It's like. Don't even. <laughs> I, I like to imagine like this is like a game. It's not popular. It keeps going. The only people who play it are like five hundred other sickos, extremely just like Jamie, and they just like have vicious competitions to be number one in the ranking on the leaderboard. I love yeah. it because it's like, oh my god, if the if the leaderboards are so small that like I really have a chance of being number one. Uh, oh, amazing. Uh, the serious question is, what is the worst way Jamie has accidentally hurt someone for the sharpest live to follow them around? Oh, my God. Um. Ryan got poked with a so sharp So, mostly object. what she does is just, like, shoulder check. Uh, uh, mostly what they do is just, like, shoulder check people, right? Like, most of the time, yeah. I imagine yeah. there are scenarios where it gets worse than that. Oh, buddy. Ryan got poked with a knife at home, Mac. <laughs> here's and here's my reasoning for this jamie is pretending to be clumsy ryan can also be kind yes. of legitimately clumsy <laughs> uh-huh. uh so it's like oh i'm gonna bump ryan and then he's going to like start and and bump and and like bump into something sharp at home ec- <laughs> or like shop class God, just like at in home ec and like cut the tip of his finger. It's like, oh my god, oh my god. So, uh, uh, it's it's just like a final destination scene where you're just like seeing all the sharp surfaces that Ryan is about <laughs> to get like almost pushed onto. No, like oh, thank ooh, goodness it's they're just in a knife. science class and they're doing that thing where you like prick your fingertip uh, to get like a blood test. Mm-hmm. Oh, to get your yeah, like, blood and type, he like just he po- whatever. Yeah. Uh, and like okay, okay, so it's that they're doing that. Jamie shoulder checks someone else. They they startle Ryan, <laughs> and Ryan pokes himself like much harder than you're supposed to. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, "Well, God. I mean, I'm gonna find out what blood type I have." I love that in every class that Jamie is in. Ryan is like, "Oh, we should be partners." Yeah. I think we should work together. Do you want 
<laughs> let's let's hey i have study materials at home <laughs> um i i also think that like this isn't the worst one that they've ever done but i think that like jamie has a habit of like uh volunteering to like pick up like the like those orange cones after gym class and just like <laughs> surreptitiously like swinging so that like they <laughs> whap someone with the cones just hit him right in the here's calf the, here's the thing that's right nobody wants to work with jamie in class because they do this because no. they are like a threat yes. to everyone around them but ryan's like my friend <laughs> jamie my best friend there's there's people in class that's like, oh, they're definitely doing it on purpose, right? Like, there's no way that they could be this Is it clumsy, a sex right? thing? Is this, like, a weird kink thing? <laughs> <laughs> the people at school who know that it's uh, Jamie's Tumblr are like, are you a pervert? <laughs> there's someone who's like, oh, I don't know who's worse. Ash, who's gonna, like, tear up your emotions, or, like, Jamie, who's just gonna, like, barrel into you and just, like, do WWE moves on you completely by accident. Uh, <laughs> you just hit somebody on the hallway with an RKO. Yeah, it's just, like, there's definitely, there's, it's just, like, I'm trying to wave hi to someone that I have, like, you know, math class with. Uh, I just accidentally Batiste upon them in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely some people at school who see the three of them hanging out together and they're like oh poor ryan he's dead <laughs> like, he's not gonna make it to the end of the school year it's just going to be mentally ryan's definitely a minion right <laughs> just going to be mentally and physically battered <laughs> he's, he's just always got some kind of bruise it's like oh sorry buddy toward between these two terrors uh, at some point, like, <clears throat> before there's a tie, Jamie is just like, listen, Ryan, I need to do something, and you're not gonna like it, but, uh, hang on one sec, and just, <laughs> like, punches him in the shoulder, <laughs> and he's just like, what the fuck? He's like, no, you're supposed oh, to do it so, totally you're supposed does. to do it so that it doesn't leave a bruise. That's how you, that's how you, and then he, like, kind of, like, punches them on the shoulder, like, yeah, you know, like that. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Okay. Amazing. Uh, are we ready for my yeah. questions? Yes. Okay. My silly question is, what is the pettiest thing that Ash has ever done that has gotten her permaban from a forum? Hmm. I, you made a doppelganger account of somebody else's account, and it was very obvious it was like the same IP address as your main account. Oh and you just start posting all kinds of shit. Uh, you know what's something that I actually did on forums uh, when I was a, a shitty teenager? Oh, here um, we go. Is I would quote people's posts, but then just, like, go... It, it, like, you know, it just adds their post to, like, the text field of your post. You edited it. And I would yeah. change what they said to something that was, like, stupid and embarrassing. <laughs> and just, like, <laughs> only add to it, like, three question marks. <laughs> uh... That's forum classic right there. That's right. Ash, Ash got Ash got John Green to delete his Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> she was the one who changed his post I, to all the sex coffee pasta. <laughs> I, I also, God bless her for it. I also feel like, um, like sh she would have these like really weird petty grudges that would like fester for a long time, and she would like 
be an upstanding member of a forum just long enough that she could get, like, added to the mod team, and then immediately just, like, go berserk, changing <laughs> everyone's avatar to, like, Professor Snape smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, some kind of weird, obscure own. <sighs> Delightful. Um, and my serious question is, of all the people that Ash has ever used her Eidolon on, there's one that she feels bad enough about that she's promised to make amends when this is all over. Uh, who is it, and what did she do to them? Man, this one's a bummer. Tis. This one is a bummer. I think it's gotta be, like, without going too serious, right? Like, we joked mm-hmm. about, like, Eidolon power that gives you depression, right? But, like... I'm thinking she like did it. She like did that to someone, and then like they just kind of dropped out of school. God, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I think like usually it's been a sort of thing where it's like, okay, well they get over it. And like, I mean, when I use it on myself, like what I feel most of the time is sadness intermixed with like smug pride. So it just leaves me with smug pride. So it can't be that bad to have this used on you. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> um. And, but, like, I, I think that there was, like, one person that she used it on that, like, oh, you're not bouncing back like you should. Oh, that's not good at all. You mean some people are more than smug? <laughs> Hold on. Hang on. There's a third emotion besides sad and smug? What the fuck is this? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? It's whatever emotion Ryan is feeling that makes him do those things that he does. Uh, she just... She just watches Inside Out, and she's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Holy shit. Why are there five of them? There should be two. Ash voice, you guys remember feelings? <laughs> <laughs> like emotions? Like from grade school? <laughs> We've had them this whole time, Ash. <laughs> what? <sighs> uh... Yeah, but I think that I think oh that's my, my answer. Is just like yeah, somebody who like yeah, in in sort of that like void of feeling, like did something that is like going to affect the rest of their lives, you know, or like have significant long term effects. Um, God, Ash sucks so much. But there's good in her. Yeah. <laughs> Says you. <But> the- <laughs> You keep saying but that. But there's good in her. <laughs> Fundamentally, there's good in her. I, I, I feel like that's something that, like, Ryan explicitly says multiple times. And, like, you know, the first couple times, like, Jamie, uh, they're like, mm, not, I don't know about that. But eventually, they just, like, whirl around and look at Ryan and say, where? Point out the good <laughs> to me. <laughs> and yet, we keep hanging out with her. That's right. It's because it's because she uh, has a, she has the she's the other one with the superpowers. That's true. We do need her. Bad people. That's right. You say, cool, but bad people full. don't get superpowers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> God. So I I can imagine like a cool use of uh the the eidolon that I have to be like uh to surreptitiously like slip some uh precious metal that i've previously made uh like into someone's pocket and then just like hit them with a a a crippling wave of sadness when they're about (laughs) to attack me that's yep getting crashed because they got sad for a minute (laughs) yeah that happens to me in real life so 
the time. <laughs> uh. Yo, does anyone else just like have an idolon randomly used on them and be inflicted with sad status? It's Reblog if you cry every time. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, feels Good like we're done. Huh? Feels like we're all about wrapped up. Molly, thank you so so much for being here. This was a delight. Thank you for having me. I, I love the podcast, so I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. And somehow we are still clocking in at a little less time than our Lancer episode, so <laughs> uh, I'm it. grateful for that. <laughs> Turns out time flies when you are not like spending an entire hour just shouting, this is not communist. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Lancer episode was like at two hours, 20 minutes, so this one isn't that much shorter. Yeah, we have a That's we have true. a third person mm-hmm. on, you know. That's also true. All right. Um, with that all being said, uh, again, thank you so much, uh, Molly. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at your friend Molly the Y E R. Uh, you can find me at AudioEntropy.com where I do a bunch of podcasts. Um, currently, Common Reprisor Forze and Idolon Playtest. Um, that when you hear this episode, uh, first season will be coming to an end. There are like 45 episodes you can listen to of Idol on Rock and Pop. Um, and it's a good show, I think. So yeah. I, I would recommend it. It's a really good show. Uh, I'd also highly recommend it. We love it. We, we stand Virginia Valentine. And subscribe to the Patreon. Give Molly your goddamn money. Give me $1 and I'll let you listen to the episode yeah. early. That's right. We're going to keep doing it after the first season, so it'll be great. <laughs> great deal. Um, additionally... Uh, you can find me on this abnormal mapping network uh, at the second best game dot club and on the Amory score um, journal updated about radical dreamers. When you hear this episode should also be up so you can listen to that yeah. too. Pretty cool. Uh, you can find me online at Hannah Yolo on Twitter, uh, which is H A N N A H Y O L E A U. And this is my only current podcast, but <gasps> I might be starting another podcast pretty soon. Stay oh, tuned. Oh, fuck. oh my God. It's so exciting. Whoa. Two. That's so, so brave. brave. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Girls with two podcasts are braver than the troops. <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me on the internet on Twitter at Great Grebe. Um, you can find my other podcasts uh, there. Uh, I do We Are the Champions uh, with my girlfriend Nora, where we uh, kind of pick le- random League of Legends characters and talk about their lore. Um that's a that's a significant podcast in my life. Lore in the it's biggest scare quotes possible. <laughs> Lore. Uh yeah, you really Riot Games owes me money for mental damages at this <laughs> they point. Do. That's so true. Uh, it's a wonderful podcast. Listen to it. And pod. if you are Riot Games, then uh also give Olivia. Pay money. up, pay up. Um you can also listen to my other podcast on the Abnormal Map- Mapping Network, Novel Not New, which is a podcast about visual novels and narrative games. Um, I think the timing is going to work out, so our episode on Eliza will be out soon, uh, which is a visual novel about um, like um, therapy, technology, burnout, um, Seattle. Uh, yeah. Is it about Eliza, though? Yes, that is the name of the uh, a- okay. that is the name of the AI therapist program oh, okay. uh, that the main character designed. All right, sounds sick. Well, thank eh, you so much. It kind of sucks. It's kind of <laughs> <the movie novel. sighs> all right. 
I think we're all about wrapped up. Um, until next time, become your best self. Yeah. There you go. They're still good in you, whoever you are. (laughs) They're still good in you. If you are listening, they're still good in you. Alright, peace. Bye.